and welcome back to Not Enough Bones. This is a gaming podcast about too many bones and everything else Chip Theory Games has cooking. I am your host today, John, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, David. Bow, 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 David, bow, tell the people bow. how you're doing. What's up, everybody? Bow, 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 bow. We have, an, uh, David, it's, we record pretty consistently every two weeks, yet apparently this two-week span decided to be chock full of goodness. We've got news to talk about, Chip Theory Games news. Mm-hmm. We've got new games that have come in that I'm excited to hear about from you. Also got some really good plays, and then we're still continuing on our top 50 list, we're going to be hitting our games number 30 through 21 today. So uh, buckle up because it might be a long one here. <laughs> We've got a whole lot to talk yeah. about. But um, David, let's start with a few uh, of our recent plays. Um, or recent games that we've got. And I see something sitting behind you, a giant uh, sandworm, perhaps. Um, tell me tell me about Dune. War for, War, War for Arrakis. Yeah. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, that's right. You, it just looks beautiful. You see that, that boy right there? The, the audience can only hear. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, uh, last year, year before, uh, whenever it was, back to Dune, War for Arrakis. Uh, this is right in the middle of the Dune hype train. Seems like every other uh, day there's a new Dune game coming out. Uh, and so Simon decided that they wanted to have a hand in it. But what makes, you know, normally this wouldn't Absolutely. be compelling for me, but what made it compelling for me is that it, I think it's the same designers as one of your favorite games, War of the Ring. So I thought, well, I mean, that's a well-beloved design. Surely they can't muck this up too bad. And so I decided to back and uh, get everything that came along with it. And I have since um, done like a full like just solo two-handed playthrough playing both sides to make sure I understand everything going on. And uh, I, I guess I underestimated how many rules there would be for this game. But I think War of the Ring is probably similar, right? It's a pretty chonky game. There's a lot going on. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it, it, it's a war game, uh, effectively. Um, and so yeah. I think what is uh, really cool that I like about this game, and I have no idea how War of the Ring works. Uh, that is a game that we've talked about playing and we still need to play. Yeah. Um, is this idea that you have like elite units and um, there's like this kind of attrition of battle so that when you when you go into battle, um, if your enemy rolls hits, you can downgrade your elite units to like regular units. And then again, then your regular units then, you know, then disappear afterwards. And so mm-hmm. um, even though there's like it's dice battle, there can be some luck. Um, there's a lot of cool ways that you can manipulate the battle either based off of like what leaders you have with you. So it's like a big mm-hmm. difference between either having the Baron Harkonnen in your battle versus like, you know, Fade Ralpha or having Paul in your battle versus Jessica um, and things like that. Um, I think the cool thing too is that each of those characters also have um, a special action because you're taking actions based off of your dice. Um, but the okay. real, I think the real kicker, and I'm guessing it's the same way in War of the Ring, are the cards. It's the cards that you can play. And um, mm-hmm. man, they're just, they're crazy. They can do all kinds of things, just like make things so um, unexpected. Because for the most part with your actions, you're going to have the same dice actions throughout the whole game. But um, yep. when when you have these cards, and it's, what you do is, not to get in the nitty-gritty, this is the last thing I say, like action-wise, but um, when you spend a die, you can either spend a die for its normal action or you spend a die to play a card. And so just having that multi-use factor of like, I remember one time I was I was as I was playing the game, I was like, felt really stuck. I was like, Oh my gosh, I I can't do anything. I was like, Oh wait, I can use this die, spend it 
to play one of my uh, one of my cards, and I did, and that just completely changed the dynamic of um, of what happened. So yeah, this is a uh, I'm really looking yep. forward to actually like playing this. And from what I'm hearing online, the expansions only make it better. And like people are like, yeah, I love the game, but like we don't even we we play with the expansions too. So sometimes you get a little worried backing some of these campaigns you know that are big and like have all these expansions mm-hmm. you're like eh, where they play tested that sort of thing but it, it sounds like people are really enjoying them so yeah that's a uh, dune war for and it's and it, it came with like a giant sandworm which you can I mean that's just oh, the yeah. toy factor is like am i becoming a command fanboy am i a stand now a command stand I, I don't know so because i got something else to talk about later welcome to the party yeah, David. i know i, know. I got know. something else to talk about later so um one cool thing that i don't know if you noticed but you can flip the box 180 degrees upside down and it'll still say Dune. Yeah. you can just decide if you want to have paul or the baron as the yeah. the face character yeah. i just thought that was really cool just the art design yes. um i'm a little worried about this one david mainly because i think they've probably streamlined some things from war of the ring and if i ever try to play war of the ring with you you're gonna be like wait why is it this it's this in dune and it's better uh, and well so no we'll, I, I we'll see how that goes. well that's the thing i have i have a buddy of mine that i've been talking to and like war of the ring is his number one game and i was like look yeah. and he like he really wants to play this i said look in your head you're going to be comparing this game to war of the ring a two different ips b two different publishers c two different completely different stories um mm-hmm. and so the arc is different i i do think war of the ring probably tells a better story from the gameplay but only because like the story from of lord of the rings is a little bit more like it just it's set up well for a game get from point a to point b and the other team has to stop that person from getting point a point b and it's very clean cut too. It's good versus even. There's not a lot of you know subterfuge. And, yeah, you know intrigue yeah. and all Dune that. Is, and, Dune and yeah, and Dune but, is all about intrigue and alliances and back and like it's hard to accomplish that sort of dynamic in a two player head to head game. So, uh, so I do think that War of the Ring, like if you were to play Dune, you'd be like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't think it tells the story that War of the Ring does. And like I would 100 sure. agree. But it also, I think. After a first play, you can probably play this in like an hour and a half, which is a big, a big plus. So there you go. But yeah, that's a Absolutely. Dune War for Rex. It's a multi-hour typically, yeah. unless uh, you get real unlucky. Yeah. But that's awesome, David. I'm excited to play this one. Um, I've got in a new game uh, with our game group recently um, from designer Elizabeth Hargraves. We got uh, the Fox Experiment oh. played uh, on Monday night, right? I believe that's it is. Uh, Elizabeth Hargraves' mm-hmm. game. You're nodding. Um so my buddy Andrew has the Kickstarter edition. So we got to play with the nice little play mats and mm. uh, all that. Uh, it was a very clever, in my mind, kind of drafting slash not quite roll. I wouldn't say roll and write. You use dice to kind of determine characteristics. I don't know how much you know about this game, but the goal is to be breeding the most friendly mm-hmm. fox. And that's only determined by how many kind of check marks you make on your fox card. There's not like a friendliness factor per se but um i did really enjoy the simplicity of this game but also realized kind of towards the end some of the different strategies you could go after um it's got a cool little player board that as you play through the game you're accumulating these different tokens and at different stages of the game you can cash those in for upgrades so maybe you want to breed more foxes every time you go to that phase or you want to go for um some more of the uh i forget what they're called they're these cards that have three stages that you're trying to meet these criteria on your foxes to then score more points it was um it was a fun experience i think the coolest part is that 
you're picking like a mom and a dad fox from the initial draft and that's your dice mm-hmm. pool and then the fox that you create with that then goes into the draft mm-hmm. for the next round so you kind of get this cool idea of you have the the foxes that you're creating now are going to be used in future rounds so if somebody creates a really good fox for a specific round the turn order really matters in terms of maybe someone else is going first and can snipe like a five or six mm-hmm. dice fox mm-hmm. early on right mm-hmm. and then it just kind of snowballs from there so uh, definitely an interesting game i was glad to get it played i've seen a lot of uh, hype over it and i can see why uh, it really fits in a, a nice kind of mid weight level um, that could be played pretty quickly because um, there's a lot of simultaneous play, which is something that I enjoy a lot in in games of this ilk, right, where you can be doing things at the same mm-hmm. time and everyone kind of wraps up around the same mm-hmm. time and uh, it helps it, you know, not take as long uh, if the game was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, wouldn't be as appealing, right. uh, but we can knock this one out pretty quick. Nice. But have you looked much into the Fox Experiment? Does that interest you um, at all? I, I have looked into it, and it looks it looks like a lot of fun. I, I almost backed it just because, I don't know, the production was really cute, and, and something about just, like, trying to breed these foxes so that they're friendly is, is just kind of um, hilarious to me that these, like, Russians yeah, were right. trying to do this forever ago. Uh, and so, but no, I, I, I didn't back it. Uh, I ended up not backing it only, um, I didn't know like who I would play it with because it felt like it might be like too heavy for the, some of the folks that I play with, but not light or sorry, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe like too light for me, but then not heavy. And I don't know. Yeah. 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 So, but where do you think it fit? Like, how does it compare to like wingspan? And like length, game length is the big thing. I know you said you could knock it out pretty quickly. Like so it that would be shorter than wingspan. Oh, from a gameplay time, because so you're a set amount of rounds, right? Just like wingspan, but since it's simultaneous play, I feel like you might be doing more time-consuming activities over. Like if you were to take the time of each individual action that you take in wingspan, you might be taking more time in actions. But since it's simultaneous. Mm it's able to go through it quicker. Um, but it does have the same thing in Wingspan where it scales up towards the end of the game um, in terms of people are doing more actions. Just like Wingspan, mm-hmm. people are moving their you know, token across all their birds. But I'd say it's pretty similar in weight and in time. This is a game you could bring out to, you know, not I wouldn't say non-gamers, but those who you could bring Wingspan to. I would, th- I would say you could bring Fox Experiment to. It's just a different idea of the mechanisms. But at the end of the day, they're rolling dice, they're checking boxes. Right. There's... Um, you know, obviously strategy, but for people who want a more kind of simple minded, just enjoy the cute game, the foxes and all that. I think you can still have a good time and, and be, you know, pass, pass at the game, you know, um, but was really happy to play that. Nice. Awesome. Now I'll mention, uh, I'll mention one more game and I'm at, there's several that I've played, but I'll mention one more is, um, Undaunted Normandy. Now this is a game that I like, obviously heard nothing but good things about. Everybody knows Undaunted Normandy. Yeah. Uh, it's a game that you've played. And I've wanted to play this for so long. Well, I finally got it to the table and immediately I'm like, how do I redo my top 50? Because this is, this is, this system is up there. It has to be up there. It is so good, John. Why didn't anybody tell me it was this good? Cause it, it is this good. Um, we played two back to back games, played scenarios one and two. And just what struck me is like, Hey, just how fast the game can be. I mean, just like gameplay is very quick. And the second thing is maybe like how dramatic the game can feel. Like I just, it, it, it's one of these things where, um, the initiative system is so smart. 
uh, because the game ends as soon as somebody completes their objective. You don't play to the end of the round. It's not like everyone plays an equal amount of turns. No, as soon as a player hits their objective, done. And so there's this trick of like, do you discard a card for your initiative and it's a high card, but it's also a good card? Or do you just waste a low card, but then you give the other player the initiative advantage and you know they might be able to act first? I love this idea that if like you... Um, if you wound or, or kill a unit that's on the, on the board, uh, then they have to remove it from their hand, effectively like nulling perhaps one of their turns uh, for that round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this like the whole thing is just it's it's so good, and I imagine the scenarios only get uh, better. And I have um, I bought Battle of Britain, and so I'm excited to be playing that. And who knows when I'll get Stalingrad? And then of course they have the upcoming sci-fi. Uh, undaunted Callisto 3250 or whatever it's called. So, uh, yeah, really excited about this yeah. undaunted system. It's it's really clever, and I think um, Stalingrad has done a really cool job. And Matthew and I have only played about four or five sessions. We got to get back to it as we do with all the campaign games we've yeah. been trying to play. But um, it had a really cool system of like upgrading and or degrading some of your characters uh, or your cards. Oh, nice. Um, they might gain actions. They might lose actions based on uh, you know what they did, um, or if they you know got injured or something during your fight. Um, I just do think it's such a clever neat closed system where you build that deck at the start of the game and you're like all right these are going to be all my options for the course of the game how can i build my deck most efficiently do i want to get a bunch of activation cards for a single unit do i want to try to spread myself around how do i use my like commander cards do i use them to draw do i use them to bolster all these other things Um, there's some good decisions and i still think it's uh, obviously there's still a good amount of luck because mm-hmm. it is you know at the end of the day you could you can get lucky with some dice rolls if in you card wanted draw. to uh, you know if you wanted to but yeah in card draw but at the same time i think to your point the, the length of the game doesn't overstay its welcome and i i feel like with some games like that you don't want a three and a half hour game that's going to be determined by a single dice roll right but if it's 30 minutes you can get in and out with like okay i had some bad luck but it didn't take too long still enjoyed the experience yeah. right so yeah great yeah. Pick. it's a good one anything else for you john Awesome. Well, David, any, hmm? I was just going to ask if there's anything else that you've played. Oh, um, yes, I did. I got some Mythic Battles Ragnarok played, David. And uh, you might be saying, John, did your Kickstarter come in? You've been waiting <laughs> for it for over three years. Uh, no, David, it didn't. Um, it still has not come in. I have now moved. So in some personal news, I finally moved into my new house, my wife and I, this past weekend. And so I'm hoping the the benevolent gods over at whalebacker got my email and my follow-up email and my follow-up to the follow-up email about moving um otherwise i'll hope my old neighbor will see my package and not steal my board games and tell me so i can drive over there um they have added mythic battles ragnarok to board game arena um and it's an alpha so it's very buggy um and it's definitely not as epic without the miniatures but i have been getting spanked by my friend Andrew, who I taught the game <laughs> slash he read the rule book through BGA. Uh, I won the first game and he has won the next full. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm getting absolutely crushed in this game that I've played a dozen times now, um, but I'm loving it. I'm having a real good nice. time with all the different units and gods and combinations and some of the new maps are really exciting. They definitely focus a little bit more on having the terrain be a factor in uh, the gameplay. So uh, excited to actually get this one in person. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of good things as some people are slowly getting their copies. I know 
they started with the simplest pledges and are going up to the more complex. So I've seen a lot of the all ins plus I got an all in. I know I got an all in plus Pantheon base game in stretch goals, but there were pledges with a lot of Pantheon expansions too, that I'm hoping a lot of people went for that are going to be after me. So it'll probably be like middle of March before I see anything, but uh, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, I, I remember laughing at Brady about, his Osworn pledge taken forever, but I think this is actually taken longer. But you know, it is it is what it is in this crazy world. They didn't ask for more money for shipping. That's all I can be <laughs> thankful for. They they stuck to their initial Kickstarter estimates. Yeah. I did not have to pay any more, yeah. and I respect that. For you know, you see a lot going on in the industry right now where companies are not not doing that. Um, so it's good to see. You know, even if I think this campaign has been mismanaged and think I could do a better job, I also don't know the reality sometimes of the space and. Um, I do appreciate the that I haven't had to reach back into my wallet at least uh, for all these delays. Totally, totally, totally. Well, all I can say is, uh, is it is it Mythic Games or no? It's uh... Mythic Games owned it at the start, but it's Monolith now. Monolith, they're a French company too, so there's probably some cultural European differences too, just in the urgency of uh, which they work. I see. Well, Monolith but... get tracked together. Get my boy his game because he's been he's been chomping at the bit to hold these miniatures i'm prepping my shelves you can even see behind yeah. me david i know our listeners can't see but i've done uh, i've got my calac shelves and my father-in-law gave me this trick that he's used where you just don't put up one of the dividers on some of the rows so you can get an extra wide shelf so i'll be able to fit mythic battles in um on the top side because as you're putting it together you don't actually need to put in all of those middle dividers Smart, um, yeah so i've got some extra wide spaces ready for mythic battles pantheon and ragnarok yeah. uh, right behind me so that. nice so anyways david it is popping news is popping off we are we are hot off the presses with some chip theory games yeah. news for our listeners today uh, and if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a chip theory games fan so you've probably heard this all before but uh, we're excited to share and talk about briefly um two new kickstarters that are going to be coming from chip theory mm-hmm. games the first is roth which is coming next march and i hope i'm saying that right I'm i think so basically saying wrath but with yeah. an o um and that is coming on march 12th and that is a game i think they're doing a partnership with manny trembley who did some of the art for um the tanglewoods 20 strong mm-hmm. um also mm-hmm. a, another uh popular person in the board gaming space and that's going to be like an area control game i've seen some pictures it looks very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what that campaign looks like because I haven't spent too much time, uh, you know, digging up any kind of gameplay spoilers. But it definitely lots of pinks, lots of yellows, lots of bright colors. Um, but David, I'm a little bit more excited for another announcement that they've been teasing for a while, but finally committed to. Um, they have a preview page and other information coming later this year, but they put a little teaser on their Facebook for Cloud Spire Harbinger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it says the finale, faction scenarios, and more, plus 20 strong Cloud Spire. So, David, as you know, Cloud Spire is one of my favorite games of all time, let alone one of my favorite chip theory games. Uh, there's not been a lot of new content for it. Recently, um, they've talked about similar to 
you know, almost like a too many bones. When you have so much content, especially when there's player versus player involved, you have to be able to balance all these asymmetric factions like Root um, against each other. And the more factions you add, the harder it gets to balance. So they've they've talked about that, and I think they want to close Cloudspire out um, just with a, a bang here. So I'm really excited. They're going to have the miniatures packs available to uh, to save up my my pennies for when this one comes out. Um, I don't really know what what they're going to do with it, and I'm excited to see. Um, this is a game that. I need to break out more and more every time I see it. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to play this. I've got it right behind me on my shelf. Um, I've just loved playing this game and excited for some more content. Uh, maybe they'll do like a trope chess esque. Uh, maybe it'll be a big floating island <laughs> that stores all of the uh, uh, the pieces for this one. Yeah. But I know you've still yet to play uh, Cloud Spire, um, but I know this is one I've talked about. Uh, do you think you'd uh, you'd go in on anything in this campaign, or is it a little too um, much? I don't think I can go into this um in the campaign i i am planning on trading for it or uh chip theory games if you're listening and um you'd like to send us a review copy so that we can really deep dive on this and talk about how awesome it is uh please feel free to do so but um yeah i mean cloudspire just it looks awesome the gameplay i've, I've looked into the gameplay and it looks fantastic um it just it is a game that strikes me that either it's a solo or a co-op experience looks like it's a mm-hmm. ton of fun and i mean i know you've talked really highly about it and i i see no reason why i wouldn't love it but i, I from time to time i see people you know um either selling their cloud spire stuff or um you know looking to trade it away and i think sometimes you know some people buy it not realizing like oh there is a steep learning curve to this thing and and really yeah, is yeah. yeah and so but like that's to be expected with chip theory games and so uh hopefully maybe i can stumble upon a secondhand copy and um start start that way but i would love to this year to get into um cloud spire feel like that's the biggest hole that's missing in my chip theory games life right now good deal all right, David, is there any other news in the board gaming industry or chip theory games related that you want to uh, discuss before we get into our topic? Um, the only other thing that I want to discuss is um, how you talked about uh, playing Marvel Zombies uh, a few weeks back as you were with your oh, father-in-law. Yes. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm not really into Marvel, but like there was a DC one. And like I have since just... like spent the last several days just researching looking at uh, playthroughs of of deceased and i'm just like i i need this i need this i watched the batman with uh, robert pattinson um yesterday and i'm just like man <laughs> like i'm kind of tired of marvel but i have such nostalgia for watching justice league and static shock and uh teen titans uh growing up and i was like man this this just this looks incredible and from what i understand um there's a few gameplay differences that i think actually make like in the positive direction like the bystanders do more in deceased and uh Mm -hmm. i'll be i'll be darned if i don't play freaking crypto the super dog and ace the bat hound as they followed me around trying to defeat zombie superman i have to yeah man it's right. it's my junkie vein is it's like you can't see it but it's like it's throbbing right now so yeah <laughs> yeah uh i'm really excited for this as uh you mentioned the um it's out on uh what's the pledge manager sorry it took me a game second. Found. pledge manager is out till i think game found on uh march 31st i think is when that's Whew. up so uh, i'm going i'm going all in david yeah, uh i'm excited for this one um it's a little different to your point than marvel zombies in the fact the biggest fact is they don't actually have a um zombie mode for you to play 
Um, and I could see that being a expansion in the future of like, hey, because really all you would need is like a card pack. That would be the easiest, you know, $50 to sell a uh, card pack and some new things for the game. I guess you need some new new monsters too. But um, I think after playing Marvel Zombies, both the hero mode and the zombie mode, the hero mode is a little more interesting to me, even though the zombie mode is very fun. Um, but the game, it just has a great fun factor. There's going to be so much content for yeah. it. Uh, just really excited for this yeah, one. Man. So that's all. I just had to get that off my chest. That's all. Well, welcome to <laughs> the fun side, <laughs> yeah, David. That's right. That's right. So, uh, all, all right. right. Shall we uh, well, kick this off? As our listeners would know, yes, we are going down our top 50 games. So, so far, we've covered the uh, first 20. Um, so 50 through 31. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be cranking through our 30 through 21 games. And as a reminder, these are kind of our favorite games of the moment, our um, top games that we'd like to be playing. There's, um, you know, we're not saying these are the top 50 best games of all times. They're our personal favorites. Um, and so I've definitely got some some deep cuts, some of my own favorites. Maybe there's going to be some uh, some contention on this episode. Uh-oh. Who knows? We'll... Uh, you never, hey, you never, you never know, know what's uh, what's going to happen when uh, personal opinions are involved. So uh, I'm really excited about this list, David, and I'm starting it off with a hot one. All right. Uh, this is a game that I love. Uh, it is called Mombasa. This was the first Alexander Fister game that I played. I think I played this before Great Western Trail, um, and it remains to be my second favorite of his, I believe, although I have been really enjoying Maracaibo. I know you kind of poo-poo on it and you decided you didn't want to play it, but um, you know, I played that a couple times solo online and, and really have enjoyed that system a little bit more, but uh, Mombasa has one mechanism that I'll just shout out as one that I love, which is this card play system where you're playing cards that give you kind of action points or different points in uh you know exploration or movement or being able to expand a company right so you get all these different uh, icons from your cards but then when you go to the end of the phase you have to discard all the cards that you played but you discard so say you played four cards you would then move those cards up above your player board into four kind of lanes so to speak or discard piles um but importantly you actually take a discard pile every turn to kind of refresh your hand. So there's this unique mechanism of I played this card, but if I discard it over here, it might not be efficient for me to take that card back until, you know, three turns from now. So can I go without that? Or am I just trying to cycle one discard pile? So I'm getting less cards, but I'm having, you know, more and more of the same action or the same cards. It's just a really unique mechanism that I haven't really seen where you have to kind of commit to where you're placing these cards and you're really in charge of how you're cycling through uh, your deck so other than that there's some just great euro mechanisms with some uh, you know kind of stock buying and manipulation of values of companies there's some area control and a shared infrastructure out on the board where all the players can manipulate and influence how the companies are expanding um but uh, I, I really enjoyed this one i think it's an underrated uh, alexander fister game um it doesn't get the love that great western trailer even maracaibo does um it, but mombasa is my number 30 david have you played this one I much? Have, yeah i've played it twice and it is a very thinky game uh a very smart game um and yeah um yeah it's fine uh, it's cool i i think i need to play it again probably i think it's smart that you can um jump in on someone who's like really pumping up a certain like uh company or whatever um but Fister just it just he does 
he doesn't really move the needle for me. So that's that's all I'll say about uh, about Mombasa. So uh, I will say this: Hater. Sky Sky Mines, get that out of my face. I don't want no. Yeah, I yeah, don't. I don't care yeah, for that. To be is, honest, it's it dumb. So um, yeah, I understand. Like the the theme of Mombasa is like is pretty. It's not that the. It's the it's not the theme that's bad. It's the execution of the theme. If you look at something like John Company versus Mombasa, Mombasa makes you think like, oh, everybody's like everybody's having a good time, everything's fine. Uh, when in reality, like what you're actually playing out was pretty bad. Um, and whereas John Company's like, no, you are bad people in this game, and this is so up to you if you want to play yeah. this or not. So I just don't like. I will say my uh, a critique of the of the theme, but otherwise, gameplay is is very good, and it makes me sad that they took that theme and turned it into something extremely um what's the word I'm looking for? Sterile. Very sterile is what yeah. they did. So yeah. I don't I don't care about mining crypt coin or anything <laughs> like that. Um get that out yeah. of here. But so agreed. Yeah. Good pick. That's my number thirty. Good pick, good pick. Yeah. If I had to pick a Fister game, it'd probably be the one for me. So all right, my number thirty, a shout out to Van Ryder Games and their very successful line, uh Final Girl. Love this game. It's a solo only game, although I guess you could play maybe cooperatively with somebody else as you both make decisions. But it is just a fantastic system. If you are a fan of horror, of of horror genre movies and classic horror films, you need Final Girl in your life. It is just it is um it is a movie every time you play it. Um, I love the variety of settings. I love how. Um, even like in season two, they've taken some of their basic ideas and really just like, done some different things uh, with them. It is sometimes extremely brutal, uh, but as it should be. And so, yeah, love Final Girl, love um, this system of and just a, a riff on the trope. Like the whole game is just a trope. And as you are the the last girl standing trying to defeat whatever enemy there is and, you know, hoping that luck favors you. And you know what? Hey, if you lose in the first 10, 15 minutes, no big deal. Just reset it and try it again. So I just love how fast this game is. And I think Van Ryder Games really knocked it out of the park um, with uh, with Final Girl. So, yeah, that's my number 30 game. Love it. All right. My number 29 uh, is a good old-fashioned Euro game. And by when I say old-fashioned, it's from 2017. So it's not that old. But uh, this is Rajas of the Ganges. Ganges. I really enjoy... Um, this game, I've only played it a few times, uh, but I've had a great time every time I have. So um, this game is all about managing your dice. There's a couple different colored dice that you can get, and all of those will give you access to different types of actions on the board. Uh, both the number and the color of your dice matter, and there's a lot of ways to score points and do other things on the board. Uh, but you also have a really fun kind of tile-laying, route-building puzzle on your player board in front of you where you're connecting um, your kind of initial starting point to different bonuses around that board, trying to make the most effective route. So I think this is a very, very clever game. I've really enjoyed playing it. I don't know if you've played this one much, but uh, this is a Euro game that's maybe not as flashy as some of the the ENO tool or the other, you know, Lacerda type games. It's not as heavy as them either. Um, but I really enjoy just the the simple actions but the amount of strategy that's in this game um, and it plays relatively quickly. The time, uh, you know, 45, 75 minutes on PGA, I'd say that's pretty accurate, even at, you know, three to four players. Um, oh, so is it, is really it on enjoy BGA? Uh, the mechanisms here. Is it on, is it on BGA? 
I've played on. Is I've, it what? Sorry, I played it on Yukata before. I didn't know if it was on BGA, but uh, gotcha. I don't believe it's on BGA. Oh, all right. If it is, that'd be a fun all one. right. Well, yeah. This is a, also another big hole in my life because all of you guys love this game, and I have yet to play this game. Every time I go and visit Johnson City, uh, we end up playing. Who knows what? Um, I guess usually games I bring because I'm not there with you guys, but. Uh, I need to. Mm. We need to get this one played because I, I really, um, I really, I really want to. Art, uh, Rajas uh, walked so that Ark Nova could run, but we all know that we would just rather play Rajas over Ark Nova. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mention that. It's one of the games that I know. One of the few games that have that kind of crossing mechanism where there's two different kinds of points you can score, and when your uh, those markers cross, that signals the end of the game. So. Yes. Yeah. Very, very fun. Very good midway euro. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and then just it looks cool too. So yeah, I, I want to play this one. Yeah. All right. My number twenty nine is no stranger uh, to both of us, John. And it is a party game. It is the code names killer. That is decrypto. Oh yeah. Number twenty nine. Listen, That's we're all up. we love our heavy too many bones and our heavy cloud spires and our heavy. Euro games, but we also like to keep things light around here with uh, Decrypto. It's a fantastic party game. I think it really takes um, this idea of like codes that you're trying to communicate, clues you're trying to communicate to your team, uh, but also to not be, um, you're trying to not be so direct with your clues that the other team can interpret what your clues are and intercept them, but also not so vague that your own team cannot decipher what in the world you're trying to. Um, what you're trying to say uh yeah i think the crypto has this fantastic tension uh has this like progression or just a fantastic arc of the game where as you get more clues finally you and your team start thinking like oh they their words for this this column it was uh bone dig um drooling uh, it's got to be dog or something like that. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like, no, actually the word was this. But you just once you feel like, yep, we we nailed you. And just the trash talk that you're like, oh, you guys are so done. Yep. We, we got your words. We know everything. We know everything that you're doing and you can't escape us. So, yeah, Decrypto is is fantastic. I love love this game so much. The the thing I really like about Decrypto, and the reason I think it edges out, even though it is heavier and more convoluted than a game like um, code names is you are always engaged in this game even if your opponents are still thinking because there's always something to do whether you're the person giving the clues or you're just trying to think about okay well they've mentioned xyz words before let me think about what what it yes. could be um it solves some of the downtime issues that i have with code names so fantastic all right john all right, David, number number 28 is a game that's new to my list this year. I've got the opportunity to play it a few times. And now, uh, thanks to my wonderful in-laws, I have my own copy of it. Um, this is going to be Flamecraft. So you might be surprised that it's this high up on my list. I know it's it's pretty high um, for a pretty lightweight game Phew, overall. Wow. Um, but Flamecraft is just a charming game. This is a game that uh, my wife and I have played a few times. Um, really love how simple the worker placement kind of action structure is in here. Um, it's very forgiving, right? You're able to go most places that you want. Um, you can pay a cost, right? If someone else is there, you have to give them some goods. This game is really high on my list for kind of two main reasons. One, the production value is astronomical. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite little resource tokens and pieces uh, out of any game. And two, it's a pretty simple rule set that I could, I could teach to most people in the art and the charm of it would kind of pull them in. And you can kind of see some 
some lightweight Euro mechanisms present there. Um, this is a game that's not too heavy for me to play, uh, you know, with my wife. Um, so it's it's just kind of hits on all fronts for what I'm looking for when it comes to like a more lightweight game. So, um, David, I know you and I had the chance to play this. Um, I think we played it at a lower player count, um, but or a higher player count. I'm sorry. Um, I've played it at a lower player count and it's been enjoyable. It feels a little more open at a lower player count. Maybe I would want to play it with a uh, a higher player count more regularly. Maybe four is, is the uh, ideal. I don't actually know what BG uh, G calls the, the optimal player count here. But um, David, what were your thoughts on on this one? I know you've played it with me now. I think just once. Yeah, but, BG, um, BGG. I really have enjoyed my time the, with it. The community says best one to five, and then like best at three. So I think you really just it depends on what you're kind of looking for. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. I think the game is ex- like it is very lightweight. Uh, but that's like that's the crowd that it's catering to. It's not, you know, it doesn't have some like super serious cover you know sure. like a blood rage or something like that and then like you play like what is this like super light game like no it is like you got these cute cartoon dragons that are like you know like one of them is like uh heating up some glass with the fire it's breathing out of its mouth and like you know whatever else they're doing so like it i love the art I like the world that's illustrated there um but yeah i mean it's extremely light i think at five it took way longer than it need to granted that you know first play for a couple of us but my wife really liked it so i mean say sam sam really liked it so there's there's that um but i would be i mean i'd be happy to revisit maybe at a lower player count because i bet you could probably knock it out in like an hour um and that seems to be like you know probably what you want it want to be at so yeah and i think the different worker placement spots um were fun i think it's like i know there's an expansion in the works so it's probably one expansion away from being like a a pretty like good lightweight game for me but as as of now like i think it's it's fine um but we'll be happy to play again and again like the production value is so so good um all those tokens the food tokens the steak i love the steak this like yeah it's it's nice it's yeah, great it's nice so yeah flamecraft is a is a good is a good pick all right uh for me next on the list my number 28 is I guess maybe newer to the list or whatever, but this uh, oldie, uh, but a goodie. It is designed by Alan Moon, and that is Ticket to Ride, but specifically uh, Nordic countries. But you know what? I would really just like lump in all of like every Ticket to Ride that's like um, that's on here, and especially because like I just recently played, oh, what's it called? Um, the Pennsylvania map, which I know I've talked about before. Love. Love, love, love. Yeah, Ticket to Ride is good. It's just like, it is one of those games that's like, it is lightweight, but also interactive. Um, You can snipe routes from people. You can see kind of like what they are probably going for, which is like a lot of fun. Um, You can, uh, there's just something about building out a route and seeing your train progress across a map uh, with these little plastic trains. There's a fun little toy factor to it. They've got tons of different maps that do all kinds of different things. Uh, Again, right now, my favorite, I think, being uh, the Pennsylvania map. Um, But Nordic Countries is a lot of fun too. Um, Yeah. Ticket to Ride is great. Some people would like to claim that there are other games that have killed it, and I think that's a terrible take. So yeah, no, not for me. Ticket to Ride is great. I, yeah, 
I think Ticket to Ride has a place in any gamer's uh, collection, yeah. especially with all the different maps. Um, yes, it, it might, you might say, hey, I'm not in, you know, playing games of this weight that often, but I think there's, there's, yeah, it's a great yeah. one. That's all I'll say. Nice. People, it's it's got the Wings Manufacturer. People hate on it just because it's popular and mm-hmm. it's an entry-level mm-hmm. game and people think they're proving a point by saying, oh, I'm too good for this game Agreed. now, but boo on that. Anyways, uh, I'm going from a very, very lightweight game, David, to a very, very heavyweight game, um, as is as is common on my list. So my number 27 um, is a game that has one of the most creative uh, actual board pieces of any Euro oh, game. And that is going to be Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. The Mayan um, calendar. Yep. So this is a very, very crunchy, um, very heavy Euro game. Um, where the main mechanism is this interlocked wheels across the entire board where you put your action pawn out on your turn or you're taking your action pawns back. But what happens at the end of each player's turn is that the wheel turns. Time moves forward. You know, it's this big kind of clock idea of as we're going, it's going to continue to move. And so as you wait, you leave a pawn out there, it's moving towards more and more powerful actions. But the general idea is how do you time it so that you can take it back at the right spot for you because there is a chance and it doesn't happen often, but if you forget upon too long and it over rotates, you don't really get anything for it. But I think the key part is how do I set this pawn up knowing that in two turns, it's going to be here and then I can place another pawn here and then you create kind of these combos and there's some really cool asymmetric player powers. There's feeding your people. I remember my very first game of this. I don't think Matthew explained the feeding your people rule that you could get into negative victory (laughs) points. Um, so I was like, oh, I haven't scored any points, so I'm just not going to feed my people. And then Matthew's like, no, you still lose points. And I was like, what do you mean? You didn't tell me that. But great Euro game. I think the mechanics are very solid. It is very thinky. Um, I think our group doesn't have a lot of AP typically. Um, so this one doesn't usually take too long. But there are some people who may struggle with just all the options, but also all of the trying to calculate your future turns and where things will be. Um, I still think Matthew mentions that like some people's good scores or whatever you would say, like a solid score, were well below that. So clearly, I think we're probably playing it um, a little too quick. Um, but I really enjoy this one. Just a very, very solid Euro game. Nice. Yeah, I I love Zulkin. Um, it is such a, yeah, such a thinky game. It just like this idea of, how you can time your stuff and it's a gimmick that works like that's the thing like some of these you know everyone has to try something new this game came out in what 2012 and it still holds up against so many games Uh, i love the expansion for it but a lot of games today will be like oh here's the gimmick and the gimmick's like eh, whatever like it's fine um but man this one is one that's integral to the game and it works it works um it looks beautiful painted up um zulkin is a fantastic game and i wish i could play it uh, more i wish i had the group to play it i don't know that i have it just yet um this you know i mean you if you want to be a good zulkin player you're thinking you know four or five steps ahead and you're thinking like okay this pawn will be at spot five on this turn this pawn will be at spot six on that term i'm gonna place this one on the next turn pull these yeah it's it's nuts absolutely nuts brain melting it's really good really good all right my number 27 is I, I think the first uh, Simon game to appear on the list. 
This is a cooperative game where you and your fellow investigators are uh, going to just try to punch Cthulhu in the face and send him back into uh, the dimension that he came from. And that is Cthulhu Death May Die, designed by Rob Davio and Eric Lang and whoever else was involved. Um, Cthulhu Death May Die is probably... Um, it has to be a top five cooperative game for me. And I don't like too many of them, but just, I think it does two things. One, uh, it plays rather quickly Two, It's just this idea that it doesn't take itself so seriously. Like it very much is just making fun of the whole Cthulhu genre, uh, which I think is oh, yeah. just really fun. And then lastly, like the cast of characters that you can play as is, is so much fun. You can play as Albert Einstein. Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah. You can play as so many different people. Um, and I think the, this idea of, Every game, you pick an Elder God and you pick a scenario and you just mix those two and then boom, done. And so you can play all the scenarios with Cthulhu, all the scenarios with Yogg-Sothoth or however you say his name, um, or like the Black Goat, all of these things that you can do, just mix and match and however you want to do it. And I love just how creative they can uh, get. I mean, there's one scenario. Um, now, granted, I think there are some, my again, an issue with, with Simon is how many things they lock behind like a kickstarter campaign you'll never see the light of day and if mm-hmm. you want to if you want it uh secondhand market you're gonna have to pay through the nose for it but good luck. yeah good luck so but there's like one scenario where um in order to like be successful you have to strap a bomb to a cow and then like the aliens will beam it up to their ufo and then you detonate <laughs> the cow once it's like beamed up to the ufo just like just dumb stuff like that um love cthulhu death may die it's a lot of fun and um yeah looking forward to all of the new content that will be coming out um with fear of the unknown here sometime this year come on now I've played this only one time, and the only scenario I played was the giant Cthulhu monster scenario. So I don't feel like I've gotten a perfect grasp of how this game works, mainly because that is a very different scenario. But I had a blast. I got to play that with you and my in-laws. It was like one in the morning. I think (laughs) we were waiting for our wives to come home from Taylor Swift. So um, I was getting a bit delirious, just like uh, my character was. So um, I can see why everyone loves this one. Yeah. All right. My number 26, David, is a game that I I would almost call a hidden gem. This is a game that I don't think enough people are really talking about. Um, And I've been fighting to play this one um, in person again. And this is going to be Crusaders Thy Will Mm, Be Done. I don't know if you've played this one, David. This came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. Matthew, our friend, picked up the uh, Kickstarter version at um, Gen Con when we went back in 2022. Um, this is a really interesting take on what I would say is a Euro game, right? It's packaged in a cool box to make you think maybe there's some more conflict. There is some combat in this game, but it's more of kind of a point generation. But the game functions on this kind of action wheel that you have, right? So you've got six different action kind of wedges, and you've got little tokens on them. And then similar to, uh, I guess, a Moncala type, you pick up all of the action cubes in this one wedge and you that's how many action points you have for that action and then at the end of the action you distribute them one per wedge around the wheel clockwise and then there's obviously some asymmetric player powers maybe you can skip a wedge maybe you can drop two and one maybe you can go counterclockwise versus clockwise etc but the action is very simple you're moving around the board you're building buildings you're uh, crusading obviously against some of the uh, different enemies on the board um, I just think it's it's pretty snappy. I really like the way you're building buildings, putting them out on the board, and all of those are giving you kind of additional value. So one building gives you automatic 
you know, bumps to your travel. So maybe you have two of those buildings out. And when you travel, you get an extra movement or an extra two movement points. And it's a very straightforward, but very fun Euro game that I think has a unique theme where you're, you know, crusading in Europe. Um, I, I don't know. I just really enjoy this one. I don't know if you've played it. The player powers are fun. You're kind of building up your board to score some points. Um, there's not a ton of interaction outside of like stealing people's stuff, right? Getting somewhere before someone, building somewhere before someone. Um, but I just, I think this game is is a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed the plays I've had of nice. it. Um, and I know I haven't even touched all the the content. There's a few other things um, with some of the expansion stuff that we haven't played with, but yeah. um, really enjoyed this yeah, one. Yeah, we played a game on BGA. I was just kind of clicking around trying to figure out how, how it works and couldn't quite uh, crack it. I had a somewhat idea, so definitely one I need to revisit. Um, but I like the look of it. I love Mancala systems. So I think it's very smart. So yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, revisit. So, but absolutely, you could pick beloved by many. Rip, uh, TMG Games, who's no longer a publisher, um, who was publishing. I think somebody else picked it True. up. But um, anyways, um, yeah. All right. I think is it. Renegade? Yeah, I think it might be Renegade. Yeah, Renegade yeah. Did. All right. My number twenty six is a, a little bit of a hidden gem as well. Um, this one comes from comes to us from the shores of japan uh hobby japan specifically and that is rumble nation uh, um yes yeah now john was this already on your list previously um oh david this is higher oh shoes all right well i won't say too much about it because we'll just we can just talk about it later but yeah long story short is like this as people call it baby el grande and i've not played el grande uh but you know, def- we're waiting on you to play out yes i'll be on take my turn on bg i haven't watched the rules yet and i feel like i'm i'm uh spoiling my my first play of it you know what i mean it's uh, uh it's like i'm taking a look at my christmas present before i open it up on christmas day so but yeah rumble nation is great love this i this dice mechanism um that you do for area control i won't say again i won't say too much about it because we'll talk about it later but yeah uh if you haven't look up rumble nation and if you can find a copy, get it because I think it'll blow your socks off and everybody else um, around you. And it plays in like 20 minutes. Uh, it's just a good, solid area control game with a fun theme uh, and great gameplay. So, yeah, Rumble Nation. I, I love this game. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but this game was was just it hit out of nowhere. And, and maybe I like it too much. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I just think it's it's killer, man. I love it. All right, going back to the heavy hitters here, David. Uh, number twenty-five is a game that um, I first played with you. Actually, um, this is a Vital Lacerda, uh, heavy, heavyweight Euro, one of the heaviest games I've played. Uh, that's on Mars. Yeah. So on Mars is a very, very thematic Euro game where you are moving between, you know, space and uh, Mars, trying to generate a colony effectively, trying to build out some buildings, some production engines, moving your little robot meeples around, uh, but making sure you can go back to space as well to kind of refill on some resources. And I just love some of the timing mechanisms of how the round works, um, trying to balance between spending your resources up top and below. When do you kind of reset some of your action pawns or workers? And man, this is just, it offers so many heavy thinky decisions and, uh, just like Lacerda, and I know some people have a hard time grokking Lacerda, right? But all the actions in and of themselves make sense and tie to the theme. And that's one of the things I love, love, love about his games. And I've got some more of his games higher up on my list um, that are the same way, right? One of the reasons I love on Mars is because 
it's a Euro game where the theme isn't just pasted mm-hmm. on, right? You really feel like the actions and what you're doing connect to yep. what the game is presenting to you visually. Yep. Uh, and I think that's a really appealing, um, you know, all in kind of package between the art and the mechanism. So really love this game on Mars by Vitalis. Or it is my number 25. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Um, and we will probably talk about it some more later on down the line. So yeah, good, solid pick. My okay. only critique is that it should be higher in your list. So, um, but I also understand there are other Lacerda games I have not played. So there's that. All right. My number 25 here on the list is a dexterity game, stacking game, drafting game, um, plat or a chunky wooden game. That is junk art. Uh, this is a game that was nice. introdu- introduced to us by our buddy Steven. And I thought my, my first few plays were just hilarious. I laughed so much just as you're like, all right, surely I have built this the highest. There's no way I just handed him um, a ball. There's no way he can balance this round ball right. on a skinny little cylinder. And you look over and just like barely teetering there at the top. There it is. And just like, boom, everybody do not touch the table because you'll knock it over. And just right. so funny. I love this game. I think what, what really makes Junk Art great is that even though you're using the same pieces, um, there are different scenarios that you can play using the pieces um, and, and to the point where uh, it just changes up how you're going into the thing strategically. One of my favorites being how you're building a structure, but then after three pieces that you've placed, now someone else is going to come and sit in your spot of the structure that you've built. And so, and if again, if you knock it over, then you're out. So it's this idea of like, how do I balance feeding my opponent to my left bad pieces so that they topple it over, but also not set myself up in a bad position to where if they are successful with the pieces that I've given them, now I'm stuck with, you know, the thing that I've made, you know, I've, I've made my bed and now I have to lay in it. So yeah, junk art is, is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you know, earlier on in my list, I think it's outside of my top 50, but great game. There's a lot in that single box too. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways that you can use all those pieces typically we don't care about there's like some scoring or other things in the game we just tend to just play the game modes have a good time whoever structures the last one standing typically uh is the winner so um i think this is a great great one great dexterity game fun to play with with gamers and with family too yep so awesome all right david number 24 is a game that you me and jacob have really had to advocate for in our game group um i've heard some asinine comments from my friends brady and matthew about this game and i think Maybe after our last play, they're coming around to it a little bit. They used to call this game the most okay-ish oh game of gosh. all time. And I don't even know what that yeah. means, guys. Like I've, I, We've talked about this on our other podcast. But this is Kemet, Blood, and Sand. This is one of my favorite kind of dudes on a map uh, combat-focused games. Um, I love the theme. I love the fact that this game rewards you for um, getting into combat quick and dirty. Because one, it's easy, pretty easy to rebuild yourself. Um, but two, it's also one of the only ways for you to get permanent victory points. So this game has a really neat concept of you have some victory points that are permanent through winning in combat or through other activities. Um, and then you have others that are temporary. And the game is is really pushing you to get to a threshold of, I think it's nine mm-hmm. uh, victory points. And the more you can get those through permanent victory points, the more solid your end game is going to be, right? Because if I'm at nine victory points, but four of them are temporary, if my friend comes in and just wipes me out of a temple or two, then I'm, you know, I'm back down and they're up and now it's kind of knocked down the leader. And if it, you know, the, the play pattern of this game tends to be somebody gets out to a hot start, they start pushing, you know, the end and then it's kind of swinging back and forth between a couple of players 
And then, you know, what usually happens is somebody steadily makes their way up through combat, through other victory uh, point. You know, you can buy victory points uh, once per game to uh, at, from a certain tile, but it's usually the one that has the most permanent victory points that has the the most solid chance at winning. So, and that's not even to mention there's a slew of kind of tech tiles that you can build your own asymmetry with as the game goes on, um, using your pyramids. And um, there's just some really fun decisions in this game. You kind of get to craft your own uh, faction or asymmetric powers as the game goes on. So every game feels at least slightly different. There's usually the same kind of key powers that are in the rotation, but um, really enjoy this. I will say the biggest complaint that I would agree with is that the game does kind of slog a little bit at the end where it is punch down the leader, punch down the leader. And then the person that wins is typically the person that was able to outlast, you know, everyone else. And I don't think that's a flaw of the game. I just think that's something if you realize that at the end of the game, it is going to be, Hey, this person's going to win. So if we want to win, we have to stop them. And, you know, some people are rubbed the wrong way by like, Hey, you know, David, you should stop this person. But if David's like, Hey, no, I'm going to make you stop him so I can put myself in a better spot. Like there's a little bit of, you could call it King making. I don't think it's as strong as some mm-hmm. other games. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the fact that it, it pile on the leader uh, at the end of the game for sure. But uh, I love Kemet really enjoyed playing. Yeah. It. I think it's clever. I love uh, the combat system in Kemet. Another game it gets compared to is blood rage because over the course of the game, you are building out your asymmetry. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I prefer this to Blood Rage. I think the combat is better than Blood Rage. Um, and again, but like both games can, yeah. John's just shaking his head. Uh, both games can exist. Uh, Blood Rage, obviously, having the the boon that it's snappier and quicker. It's also more Euro and less dudes on a map ish fighty fighty kind of thing. So, um, yeah, love Kemet. It deserves more plays. I have it. I I bought it. It's just it's sitting up on the shelf up there up top uh on top of a hoplomachus and um like i bought it almost maybe getting close to two years ago and have not touched it um this is very sad i just haven't had the group to do it so maybe i can plan a weekend here soon and and try to play it so yeah kim it's great game phenomenal game love it um all right my number 24 is a game that we've talked about before uh, it's higher on my list, and that is Age of Steam, designed by Martin Wallace, uh, and a myriad of maps that are out there. Uh, Age of Steam is, for me, the uh, economic route-building game that I want to play and play and play and play and just sink my teeth into. And I love how, once you've learned the game, every map after that is simple. Like, it's not like you're learning a whole new game. It's like, hey, it's like the base rules with this twist. Um, And so just, I think it's very cool. Uh, I've only had a chance to play um, the basic Rust Belt map. So I'm hoping somehow that this year, again, this is the year of like all these games, you know, all these games that deserve more plays. And Age of Steam is definitely one of them. I'm excited because I'm going to be getting my acrylic tiles sometime um, soon, which are these like nice see-through tiles that when you play Disco Inferno, you're not putting silly little green tiles on top of the red. Instead, you have these clear tiles so that you can see everything that's underneath. Uh, Yeah, so super excited um, about this. I even bought... um, uh, I even bought the the moon map that uh, is is out there and just like it's I had it hanging in my office. Um, it's really nice, just like a very cool looking uh, map designed by Alvin Viard. But Age of Steam is just so smart. Okay. I love how it's like you like here's what it does is you explain the rules and you leave the the you leave the part where you like pick your powers last. 
Because after you explain the basic rules, you're like, are all the rules? They're like, all right. Now remember everything I told you. When we bid for turn order, here are these powers, and whoever's first in turn yeah. order can pick these powers. And let me tell you what they do. Remember how I said you can only build three tiles on a turn? Well, this one lets you build four. Remember how I said you deliver goods in turn order? Well, this one actually lets you deliver goods first before anybody else. And so just like how mean and just how vicious this game can be is, yeah, it, fantastic. And uh, hope, yeah, yeah, Jacob has a copy now, so hopefully y'all can play it some more excited about this one i think matthew and brady are a little out on this one so uh, again with some people who have some stubborn opinions after the first time they play a game you know it might be difficult to get this one back to the table but i think this is a game that our group would love um if we could play a little bit more and i believe it plays five correct yeah, plays up to eight if you wanted to um they just, eight, a bit, just, yeah. just so i think this is one we've more and more been having five people for our game night. This is so perfect. I think we could get a good crunchy Euro at five. And I'm all yeah. about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right. Um, next up on my g- games is uh, number 23, Good Critters. Now, David, I don't know how much experience you have playing this game, uh, but this has slowly become my favorite party mm. game. Um, in this game, you are all mobsters trying to get the most money from the heist. Uh, the boss is doling out the payments from the most re- recent, you know, successful heist and um, he can dole or he or she can dole them out in any way that you would like. Um, but the the caveat there is that everyone gets to vote on the distribution of money. So maybe we got $50,000 and he tries to keep $25,000 to himself and just pay out a little bit of money to other people everyone goes through this kind of simultaneous voting phase where there's different cards you can play. Yes. No, you can threaten people. You can try to shake them down and rob them, or you can just try to skim some money off the top, you know? Um, And it just creates this really fun, almost role-playing environment where everyone gets the chance to, you know, say their piece to, you know, argue with the boss, say, Hey, you need to give me more money or not. Like I'll support you if you give me extra money. But then you get these renegades who try to overthrow the boss because if the vote doesn't pass, meaning if more players vote no, then yes, then the boss loses all their power and it goes to the first player that voted no. You don't actually distribute any of the money. Um, So it's a really interesting game where you want to be as the boss giving yourself some money but really helping other people. But you want to spread the love in a way that you're going to still have the most money at the end of the game. But also you need to recognize that you're not going to be the boss forever. So you're trying to form good alliances with people so that you can set up, you know, when that transitions. And uh, this has just created a ton of fun moments. We played this at my bachelor party a couple of years ago, and it was just a rip roaring time. Played it with my family, played it with some other friends. Uh, I just love this. My wife's really good at this one. She's she's sneaky. My wife is one of those people that people are like, oh, yeah, I'll give I'll give Caitlin some money. Like, here you go, you know. Or and then she becomes the boss and she's, you know, ruthless. She's got her posse that she's, uh, you know, using. So my wife loves this game, too. It's a good time. So um, anyways, Good Critters, David, I don't know if you've played it much, but I have. Uh, I love. This yeah, one. probably my good, favorite. Part yeah, of Good game. Critters is, is fantastic. And yeah, Caitlin is is um, she she's like perfect for this role because she's like, you know, she's kind of quiet. She's very sweet, but also um, in like a very just like nice and calm voice be like, you're not getting any money actually. Um, and so it, uh, it works yeah. out, uh, just fine. So, um, yeah, but, um, we'll go ahead and move on here to my number 23, another game. We haven't had, haven't, uh, mentioned this, uh, this German doctor's name in a long, t- in, in a while in a, in a few games. And that is, uh, Dr. Reiner Kinizia with what I consider my current favorite deck builder. And that is the quest for El Dorado. I love this game. This is, um, I think, if anybody is looking for a race game 
Uh, this is like out besides heat. This is a, one that I think that everybody should play and wanted to get because I just love how uh, dynamic the game is. I love how interactive the game can be. And I love the card market. A lot of times like Clank or Dominion or Ascension, just like some of these other games, they have like a very basic card market where it's just like five cards that are out in a row. You buy it and it immediately refills. Um, not Quest for Eldorado. Players determine what gets put in the market. And so it's like all of these card categories are out from the beginning of the game. And as soon as one is depleted, the next card to be bought is the one that fills up that empty slot. So it's like on your turn, you're like, man, I really need to buy a brute, but it's not in the market yet. Hopefully on my next turn, maybe I can get it. Oh, nope. Sorry. It, uh, that spot just got filled up with like a, like a super paddler or whatever it was, you know, whatever you call the thing. Um, yeah. So love the quest for El Dorado. Love all the different maps. I'm excited for this new version that's coming out. I've been very very tempted to just import a copy from overseas uh, to go ahead and get it. The new expansion, uh, Dangers and Muisca, I hear nothing but fantastic things about. So really excited um, for this new version. Um, it's just like a, a art, and uh, they've resized the cards so that you're not holding little tiny cards in your hand anymore. Um, yeah, Quest for El Dorado is a fantastic game. I love it. All right. My number 20, 22 here is uh, a fantastic game. David and I think you uh, really enjoy this game I don't remember if this has been on your list higher or not but it is um, by one of the uh, people in your kind of design trio that you like uh, Virginia Geekly is one of the designers here but this is first rat this is uh, some rats trying to collect some items and build a rocket ship to the moon that they believe is cheese this has a very very I'm so surprised that this is so high on your list this is a great pick but I'm just surprised i I think this is just a fantastic game. It is so great. Um, So you are moving your little rats up the board, and it's a similar kind of idea of you can go forward a certain amount of spaces. You can't go back, um, but you're collecting resources like cheese and food and other things like that as you're going up the track. And then you're spending or cashing in those resources later um, to gain points and then uh, maybe unlock some more rats. You've got a little rat going around a little burrow cave. You can breed some rats, get some new player abilities, etc. I just think this game was really fun and it offered some great mechanisms. It had a really good playtime and the theme is just uh, it's great. Right. And there's a kind of stagnant side of the board where the setup is, uh, you know, already determined. And then there's a flip side where you can distribute the tiles out and and create your own layout to help prevent you know the game from being maybe solved quote unquote of what a a strategy would be but i really enjoy this game i don't think it overstays its welcome Uh, i think it's really good at three or four um the theme is just really fun and unique as well so um david i know you like this one um maybe i guess you're surprised that it's this high on my list i've really enjoyed my time playing it um but do you have anything else to add on first i just think like it's just a super solid euro game um that i think you can it's like right at that midway i think that like the theme really does a lot for it so i think you can teach it to some people that maybe if you feel like uh this is a little bit of like a lighter crowd but they could probably uh handle this especially like the predetermined side um yeah it's it's just so good um I, the, if you've not played the solo john highly recommend the solo is very tough okay. to compete against the 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 rat automa 
uh, the rat bot. So, um, yeah, love. And just like, yeah, that's just super charming. This idea that these rats like see the moon and we're like, all right, how do we get there? Let's build a rocket ship out of these spare parts from the junkyard. It just, yeah, the, the narrative of the game, what you're doing is, is so funny. Um, love that you can like steal stuff from like the little vendor animals along the path. Um, that's a lot of fun. Or you can pay them in cheese. Um, yeah, great game. Great game. So love first rat. That's a love fantastic it. pick. All right. My number 22, John, this is the, I believe the first, uh, maybe big boy euro that you won at my house this is uh illustrated by ian o'toole um designed by i can't remember but somebody i think in germany uh and that is rococo specifically the deluxe edition uh from eagle griffin games oh yeah rococo uh was a game that was out of print for a really long time then eagle griffin games brought it back into life uh, with some ian o'toole artwork and it is gorgeous it is also one of my favorite mid-weight Euro games. I think like Heavy Cardboard, the way they scale or like weight their games, it's like, it's like Rococo is the mid-weight game. And then however a game relates to Rococo is where it falls um, in their like sphere of like heaviness. And so um, yeah. I just, I love how interactive this game, the theme is, is you know, it's the theme is here or there. I, I personally like it. You're like, 18th century ball and your tailors trying to design um, garments and dresses for um, for the for this ball and I just love how there's some area control um, it is a deck building game but also you have access to all of your cards at the you know at any given round the, the trick is though like you have to you can out of all of your cards that you have in your deck you can only choose three for the round to play and so it's also this idea of like, well, I could play my three masters now, but then that means in a later round, I don't have access to those masters anymore, at least until I shuffle my deck uh, back through. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just um, a, a, a phenomenal game. The expansion is a lot of fun. Um, and it's a game that I think like if we played more, I think everybody else in our group would, would really take a liking to. Um, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. I've had success. Everybody that I've shown it to has enjoyed it. So I love Rococo. This is a great one. And to your point, we'll always have a, a fond place in my heart because it was the very first uh, call it a real game that I got credit for winning. Uh, I'd won a game of tapestry before that. But um, my buddy Matthew said that didn't count, even though I lapped him one and a half times. So um, really enjoy Rococo. That's a great pick. And one that isn't on my list because I've really only played it that like one time. Many years ago. Um, so, so I need yeah. to yeah, need to get that one done. All right. The last game here on our list today, uh, our 21st. Um, mine is a game, David, that um, I have a hard time with this game because I feel like I've tried to suggest it, but maybe it's just not a game other people want to get played. Um, this is Beyond the Sun. Uh, this is, uh, and, and your face lit up a little bit, meaning I think this is probably higher than people would expect this one to be. I've played bit, it a handful yeah. of times. We played this on BGA, and I think you were just clicking around trying to figure out what was going on, and you probably didn't have a great time. Jacob tried to get a game started with Jacob. He was like, I can't be bothered to learn this right now, so he abandoned <laughs> the game. I mean, like, this is a little overwhelming. I'd say that the design of the board is not the best, but the general idea of this game is it's like tech tree, the board game, right? So you've got a bunch of different technologies. You've got, like, six, four three or whatever there's like different stages of technology uh, and there's a certain amount of cards in each of those i think it goes eight six four uh two or something like that anyways the technologies give you access to new actions and or immediate effects you've got a player board where you're trying to kind of automate some of your uh, population and or food production um to help you get additional resources to do more action so 
tableau building type uh, engine building mechanism on one side. And then there's also this area control kind of puzzle as you're moving ships trying to conquer planets. You can leverage those planets for abilities that they give you and you conquer them. They obviously give you victory points and or help you automate your board a little bit more too. It's just a very fun puzzle. I think it's a unique take on a Euro game. Um, I haven't really played anything too similar to it. Um, I will agree that it is it is not much to look at. Playing it on BGA is definitely not the best first way to play. Um, but I have just loved my place of this game. I think it's really unique. I think it's one that would hit the table more. Um, they came out with a new expansion. I think Matthew picked it up. I don't know. Um, but anyways, really excited for more plays of Beyond the Sun. I know this got a lot of love the year it came out, but I haven't really heard much about it since. Um, so excited to play this one again and play it a little bit more. Uh, maybe I can teach Jacob in person and um, we can get a game going on BGA after then. But really enjoy Beyond the Sun. Um, David, I don't know if this one uh, got, gets much love from you based on our your experience, but uh, that's okay. We're allowed to have different tastes if not. Well, I mean, I think if like I actually like someone taught me the game and played it, I think I would probably enjoy it because I like the premise of just like it's just straight up tech trees and that can go in so many different directions. Um, a lot of people really love this game. Uh, um, yeah, I don't have much to add other than I've played two games on BGA where I've like tried to like click around and figure it out. And I don't think the BGA implementation is very like helpful to figure out exactly what you're doing. So I probably just need to learn it and then maybe one day, um, we can, we can play it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really like it and I trust your judgment sometimes. So maybe this is one I need to, uh, uh, get in on. So yeah, good, good pick. Good pick. I think a lot of people, is this, is this in the top 100 on BGG? I feel like this, this, like, it feels like when this game came out, first time designer too, uh, it just like came mm-hmm. busting out the seams. Yeah. It's 83. Shoo! Yeah. I mean, so a lot. Which surprised me. I'm, I'm surprised it's that high because there must be some people that, that love it like I do and have been pushing this up. I'm surprised to see this on the top 100. But maybe it's just because not a lot of people in our group seem to be too excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely. Uh, and it's on it's on BGA, so like now more people have access to it and they can play it. Um, you know, and so those that do love it can play it more regularly, which is always a good thing. So, um, yeah. All right. So then my last one here, my number twenty one. Uh, this is an, I think perhaps the first Uwe Rosenberg game to appear on the list, possibly. Uh, but this is a game, uh, about collecting fish in a Scandinavian village and feeding them to a bunch of elderly folk. And that is Nusfjord. John, you have not played Nusfjord. Um, but when I tell you there's only two games by Mr. Uwe Rosenberg that you need in your life, it's this one and then one that's a little bit higher up on my list. Uh, but Nusfjord is fantastic. Scales wonderfully at all player counts, one through five. Uh, it is very fast. You can play in 45 minutes or less uh, and still get a very what I feel like is a very satisfying gameplay. I love Nusfjord so much. I love this idea. Um, there's a little bit of, of like shares that are going on um, as you invest in your different fishing boat companies and other players' fishing boat companies, as you build out the different buildings that have different um, player powers and things that you can get. So you're, um, everybody's you know diverging in how their gameplay is going to go throughout the course of the game. I love that you can recruit an old person to your crew. Like you just recruit this elderly person. Like you're like, Hey, I need you to come out of your retirement home and start working on my, uh, my fishing boat and lend me your elderly powers. And so like, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Newsfjord is just, it's such a satisfying game. I love it so much. Um, I recently traded it away as I am want to do. 
um, for another game uh, about making tea. Uh, but I, the big box is coming sometime this year. And so the reason I trade that's the reason I traded away because I know eventually I'll just get the big box. Mm. And so I'm excited uh, about that. Yeah. Nusfjord. It's just a awesome game. And, uh, you know, not, not very flashy. It's not a very flashy game. But, no. um, yeah, for, for what it's worth, for me, it's, it's just up there. It almost cracked the top 20, just barely. All right, now. Um, well, that does take us to the end of our list. Another great 10 games, David. We're getting into the top Shoo. 20. So our next two episodes, we'll be finishing out this list uh, with some heavy hitters. Excited uh, for that. But, um, David, anything else that you want to uh, cover before we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, all I can say about... Um, my my top 20 games is there's some there's some wild ones in there that's, that's all i can say is that there's some super hot fire yeah, there's some wild ones in there i'm excited to talk about this um yeah john this is always as, as usual is a very uh, fun to record uh with you these things and i'm hoping uh we just want to give a quick shout out um to our buddy drew uh who recently 3d printed something for you john um oh, so yeah. uh the Trove Test is great, very good uh, for organizing all your stuff, and yet it still seems like it's tough to kind of fit everything in the right way and get it like in an ergonomic yeah. way. Uh, so we just want to shout out to Drew, who 3D printed for you a very beautiful uh, 3D insert. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think organizes things in a great way, and so I'm going to have to hit him up and see if I can also um, get get oh, the yeah. same. So, yeah. It, it came out great. Um Good deal, y'all. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, David, if the people wanted to get a hold of us, uh, how could they do that? Yeah, you guys can reach us and comment on our uh, games listed 30 through 21. If you want to reach us at notenoughbones at gmail.com, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, notenoughbonespod. Please feel free to reach out to us uh, there and let us know what you think about these games that we've been commenting on. And I bet you guys are super excited because you still haven't heard us talk about too many bones on our top uh, 50 games just yet. And so that only lets you know these are true diehard fans. They really love this game. We're not fake. We're not posers. We are the real deal. As a matter of fact, John's hair isn't even real. It's made out of neoprene. And so is my mustache. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, thank you as always to Jonathan Allen Wright for our intro and outro music. Uh, feel free to find him wherever you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, and the like. Go find yep. him. All right, John, thank you so much. This is uh, this is John and David. This is David and John. Morris, Illinois, 844. Sign, sign, signing out. Peace.